good to worship with you. Even in the midst of tragedy, it's good to worship with you, church. Um, today we're continuing our series on parenting, and uh, we're in week three, and it's been a huge encouragement to me, uh, and I think to you, as I've had so many different families come up and say, man, this, is, this has been a challenging uh, sermon series, even for some of you that um, are maybe grandparents, empty nesters, you've come to me and said, man, I wish I would have learned about this, you know, 20 years ago or however long it was. And uh, my hope and desire is that as we continue to journey through this series, whether you're single and don't have kids or whether your kids are gone, the reality of it is, is we have an opportunity to take hold of what God's word says now. And even if you're saying, well, I, I, I am an empty nester or I'm single, God has stuff for you to start working on and start churning in your mind and your heart now uh, to continue to invest in love uh, on kids, whether they are yours or they're gone, wherever they're at. Um, and uh, it's a powerful, powerful reminder that God has work for us to do now. Um, I want to share with you something that is a little bit funny for me, but a little bit challenging for me as well. Uh, what we're talking about today in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is kind of at the heart of um, every single week, this series has been at the heart of me and Natalie's desire to parent and disciple our kids well. But today, this week is something that is something we've stuck to really, really uh, as much as we possibly could. And so in the midst of preparing this series, uh, this sermon this week, uh, I pulled my oldest aside, who he's almost 13, and I asked him this question. I said, how often do you think we talk about God or do we talk about the scriptures on a regular basis? And I said, this is a scale from zero to 10. And I'm like expecting a certain answer, just to be honest with you, as the parent. And I said, zero's like never and 10 is like all the time. Like, what, what would you say? And he's like, a five. And I'm like, a five? <laughs> I mean, that's what I was doing on the inside, not on the outside, because I didn't want to make him feel bad. Like, well, that's his perspective, his, his reality, right? So I was like, oh, okay, okay. But inside, I'm like, oh, a little bit, right? <laughs> I'm like, well, what, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, like, we don't talk about God and the Bible, like, all the time, but, like, quite a bit, like a five. And he goes, but on Sundays, definitely a 10. Like, definitely, <laughs> definitely a 10. And, uh, but it got me thinking, because... We talk about God and the Bible a lot, from my perspective, like a lot. But from his perspective, like a five, which caused me to just kind of reflect a little bit and ask the question, like, how am I doing transferring God's word to my kids? Now, whether he thinks it's a lot or, or not, that's fine. But God just got me self-reflecting on what is it that I'm doing and walking beside my kids. And I would ask the question for you as parents, how are you doing in regards to that? And I think one of the key indicators that we have to look at is we have to look at our own hearts and minds. But I think it's important for us to take a look as where we are as a nation when it comes to opening the Bible. Some interesting statistics. This red charted graph here. The next one, sorry, wrong order. Next one talks about Bible users by generation. I don't know if you guys are recognizing the trend. 
from generation to generation, it's not going in the right direction, is it? Our elders, 49% uh, are essentially using the Bible. That What that is in regards to is in regards to are you opening the scriptures on a regular basis? This is somebody that interacts with the Bible outside of a church service at least three times in a year. Okay? That's kind of really big. Right? Large time frame. Uh, elders, 49%. Boomers, 46%. Gen X, 39%. Millennials, which, just so you guys know, are grown adults now. They're not kids, okay? I'm a part of the millennial generation, just barely, just barely, okay? In fact, I'm in between Gen X and millennial, which I'm actually, xenial is what they call it. And then Gen Z. Um, Gen Z, 18 to 26-year-olds, only 30%. For the first time in the history of the state of the Bible. This is from the American Bible Society research. Um, every single generation is under 50% in Bible use. First time ever. Um, and so in the midst of talking about this series, like, we gotta just ask ourselves, like, if we are wanting to impart God's word, God's commands into our kids, the first question we should be asking ourselves is, are we, am I, opening up God's word. Here's what I think, is I, I don't think that it's by accident that we are seeing a moral decline within our nation. Uh, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, what's that from? I think it's tied to God's word, whether we are opening it up or not. Uh, let's go back to this previous graphic. The question was asked, what is the reasons for moral decline? 26% lack of positive parental involvement. Okay, that's people's perspective. Lack of intentionality, positive impact with parents. 20% negative influence of media, movies, or music. We're going to talk about that here in a second. 16% unhealthy reliance on social media for information. 14% low level of respect for the Bible as a guide for moral development. 13% negative influence of government leaders. 8% other. So, perceptions as to why we are seeing the moral decline. I think it's tied to a lack of honoring, learning, surrendering, to God's word and then discipling our kids into that. So you might be saying, are you saying the simple answer is just to read our Bibles? Yes and no. I think it has to do a lot more to just reading our Bibles. But here's the amazing thing is I think God's actually given us a playbook as to what it looks like to begin to walk beside our kids when it comes to God's word. What is that playbook? Deuteronomy chapter six. We've been going through it every single week uh, through this series. And today we're going to pick up again, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. Everybody say, talk about them. Now you see where the connection is to the sermon series title, maybe. Talk about them. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We are starting to get towards the second half of this series. Next week we wrap it up. Today we're going to talk about this language in verse 7. This idea that we are called to impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols 
on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What does that mean? Strange language. It's strange to us because oftentimes, just to be frank, we don't actually practice this even symbolically. But for the Jews, they actually took it literally. I want to show you a picture of the Western Wall that I visited. I think it was about eight, nine, maybe 10 years ago. I can't really remember. But the Western Wall, just to give you an idea of how massive this wall is. The Western Wall, if you don't know, is very sacred to the Jewish people because right now the temple is being uh, under the authority of, of the Muslims. And so they have no ability to actually enter into the Jewish temple and so where what is the jewish temple it's the area where sacrifices were made to god in the old testament and the western wall is the closest they can get to the actual temple where sacrifices were giving where prayers were actually given to god and so jews come and they they mourn at this place desiring and longing to be in the temple where the spirit of god reigns what they don't really realize is the spirit of god is not there anymore he resides within us amen through Jesus, he, rem he resides in us. But they come here, and it's an amazing place where they come and they pray, they quote scripture, and they write prayers and little tiny pieces of paper and push them into the cracks of the wall. See how massive that wall is that they had built? It's absolutely amazing. But at this place, you can see the cracks. You see the pieces of paper where they're writing prayers to God, writing prayers, desiring to hear him. They also come and they bring their children. This is a father praying, reading scripture, desiring to worship God, and he has his son here who is reading scripture. And you're going to notice that little box on top of his head. Do you see that? It's called a phylactery. Everybody say phylactery. He also has a phylactery around the left part of his arm right here, which is the closest place to his heart. So the Jews literally take this literally. They literally are trying to bind Scripture to their foreheads, to their heads, to their hearts. Inside these little boxes is little pieces of parchment called teflon. There's four different passages that are, that are actually involved into these boxes. Exodus chapter 13, 1 through 10. Exodus 13, 11 through 16. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, which we've been reading every single week. And Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 21. Don't have time to go into the details of all these passages, but what they are are passages of the heart and soul of the Jewish faith about what it means to follow and trust God and who God is and what he's like and what his commands are for us. And so the Jews are literally taking this passage as literal as possible, binding them on the foreheads, storing it in their hearts, and in the process, bringing his son to the Western Wall to commune and have a conversation with God. Might be saying, are we supposed to do that? And I would say, the Lord calls you to do it, maybe. I have to respect and appreciate the devotion, oftentimes, that the Jewish people have in wanting to disciple their children in the faith. Would you agree with me? This is what I believe is Deuteronomy chapter 6 that God's providing a vision of what discipleship in the home looks like. What does discipleship in the home look like? And I think that that is a great picture 
that I just showed you of what it can look like. What I would argue is whether we take these passages literally or symbolically, we have to ask ourselves this question, are we actually doing that? You might be saying, what do you mean by symbolically? Well, Justin's amazing graphic artist work was done again this week on Canva. Remember what the passage said? It said to bind them on your foreheads, to impress them on your heart and on your children. And we talked about last week about the heart. That word impress, shanan, it means to cut, to pierce, to sharpen our kids' hearts, okay? And then as hands, to tie them as symbols on your hands. What is this? This is a picture of us being under the authority of God, his word, and his commands. And we talked about this earlier, that the authority that God has given you, you are called to then disciple your kids and to help them understand what it means to be in authority in regards to not only you, but ultimately to God. So what does this look like? Next, next slide. It's helping them understand what do you believe and what do you think in regards to God's word. Is it being impressed into your child's brain? That is actually your job. To help them understand what God's word actually says. To help them understand what they're inclined to. Is your heart inclined to the things of God or is your heart inclined to what the Bible says is the flesh, to disobedience? And ultimately, what you do, your actions also, head, heart, hands, actions, all are called to be under the authority of God. And so Deuteronomy chapter six is this amazing playbook where God's saying, this is what discipleship in the home looks like. It looks like this. You helping your child learn what it means to surrender to the Lord and surrender to his word and his commands. Here's what's fascinating is if we're willing to commit to this, it means helping our kids understand our head, our heart, our actions surrendered to God. Do you know what the number one indicator is of this graphic coming true? They've done a study amongst all, actually, not just Christian faith, all faiths. The number one indicator that you will pass on your faith to the next generation to your child. It's not saying that it's going to happen every single time because they have a will. You can be the perfect parent and your, your children could still walk away from the Lord. Jesus was the best disciple maker and he still had someone, his own disciple, that betrayed him. Just think about that. But do you know what the number one indicator is that they've noticed over and over and over again in regards to your children following in the same footsteps of the parent? It's the parent showing them what it means to be a believer and number two, talking about their faith. Talking about it. Talk about them. Talk about it. And so the question we gotta ask ourselves, you've gotta ask yourself is, are you modeling and are you talking about it? Are you talking about it? Here's what I do know. That if you aren't opening the Bible, if you aren't discipling your children, if you aren't talking about it, this is what I do know. The world will gladly take that from you. Your kids are going to be discipled, whether it's from you or somewhere else. 
And I, I find this fascinating. The world is getting more and more courageous about the reality of what they're trying to do. They are trying to disciple your children, whether you want to admit it or not. They're doing their best to actually remove you from that conversation. Do you know how they do that? This thing. <laughs> the phone. The phone. So we have to ask ourselves this question. What are what am I, what are you doing in regards to opening up God's word? And what are you doing in regards to actually talking about your faith? You are called to intentionally disciple your children, I believe, with structured and teachable moments. Structured and teachable moments. This is actually the scope and sequence of what it looks like in regards to curriculum de development with our kids. Um, we need to continually have structured time, but we also have to have these teachable moments. Where does that come from? Well, it's in verse 7b. Talk about them. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So what, what does the structured moments actually look like? Let's take a look at this next slide. This is what Natalie and I have chosen to do in being intentional with our kids. I'm not saying that this is necessarily the only way to do it. I'm just giving you an example of what we're doing. And guess what? We may down the road find something better, and when that comes, I'll be sure to share it with you guys. This is what we've chosen to do. We've chosen that we are going to have a morning and evening rhythm of Scripture and prayer. And depending upon kids' developmental stage, it honestly, it changes. Okay, We used to be really big on the evening time when it comes to our kids. We still are with Theo. But as our kids are getting older... Evenings are getting a little full when it comes to not only dinner, when it comes to the house, but also when it comes to sports. And so at the end of the day, when showers are being done, let's just be honest, my kids are wiped out. And so we've now transitioned to, in the morning, we have every single weekday, we've chosen Monday through Friday, we're reading God's word almost every single day, Monday through Friday. On occasion, we miss a day. On occasion, things don't go as planned. Well, we're doing that on a regular basis. This is what God's invited us into. Talk about them every single day. Not only that, but driving down the road is an awesome opportunity to have a conversation with our kids. Um, a lot of times it's worship music that's involved. Sometimes, you know what it is? It's silence, volume down. We just sit in silence. It's amazing what goes on in a kid's heart when you let them have space to think. Imagine. It's amazing what happens in your own heart when you provide space for you to think or have conversation with God. Dinner time. The dinner table is an amazing time to be intentional. Uh, back in the day, everybody ate at the dinner table. Amen? Now, not so much. But how do we continue to fight for that in the midst of a culture that maybe doesn't communicate it or value it what does it look like for us to sit at the dinner table to then take times take turns praying and then not only that but having significant discussion about how your day went and what god is teaching you in the midst of your day here's what i want to tell you right now i wish that i would have remembered but we've got an amazing children's curriculum life for kids is an amazing job introducing our kids to jesus do you know what also comes home every single sunday with your kid is a little sheet that has great questions. I don't have the one for today. 
Does anybody have the one for today? You don't get it till after class. I would love to read what the question is that they provide for you as a parent about what it means to devote and talk about faith at the dinner table. Because you know there's questions every single week that's provided. There's questions every single week provided in regards to driving down the road, how you can start a conversation of intentionality with your kids. And then the last one, kind of a no-brainer, Sunday morning worship, structured. Youth group, structured. A structured time where we are intentionally focusing on God's word and what he has for us. And the next one's teachable moments. Teachable moments. Moments when life happens. Moments that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart as your kids are talking with you and they're opening up with you and being transparent and vulnerable with you. The ability to ask deeper questions about what's going on inside their hearts. Questions like, what do you think about that? What do you think God would say about it? How do you think God feels about that? Uh, this week, my kids started school. Thursday. Out in Cuna, we're a little bit behind out there, right? Everybody else already started. We wait a little bit. My little Theo has the biggest heart. Biggest heart. Seven years old. His first day back at home from school, he tells Natalie, um, one of my classmates told me that his younger brother died when he was only one years old. My son's seven. And he said, I cried today over that to mom. And uh, just shows how big his heart is. And when I got home, I pulled him aside and I said, hey, I heard about what happened today at school, about your friend, about his brother who died. What happened? He said he was like in some like vehicle thing and it was an accident. He, he died. And I asked him, what do you think about that? And he said, that's sad. I go, it is sad, bud. I go, what do you think of what God thinks about that? And he kind of looked and he goes, I don't really know. I said, well, this is what I think. I think God thinks it's sad too. And I think he cried over that situation. He wept over that situation. You know what I also think? I think that God loves that young boy. And I also think that that boy got to see Jesus right away after he died. And Theo goes, yeah. And then my older son jumps in and goes, well, Dad, but he didn't ever have a choice to choose or not choose God. How does that work? And I thought to myself, that is a great question, Noah. And we started having a conversation about God's grace in regards to children and how he desires for the children to come to him. And then we went about our day. An amazing teachable moment, would you agree? Parents, what does it look like for you to be intentional about God's word? But not only intentional about God's word, in addition to that, in these structured moments and in these teachable moments to help them begin to think 
to process what God's word has to say and what God is like. I've been reflecting on this new uh, graphic that I learned about about a month ago in regards to what is the goal of actually helping them wrestle with God's word. And I think this is actually the goal. We talked about this word hear and obey uh, during the Sermon on the Mount, right? Where the word is Shema, and it means to hear, but it also means to obey in this relationship. And so the reality of it is, is helping us, our kids, actually hear what is God actually saying to me, stopping and observing, stopping and reflecting, stopping and actually having a discussion about what God's word has to say. This is the teachable moments. But out of the, or out of the structured, structured moments, but out of the structured moments come these teachable moments where we actually begin to kind of carve away at the heart, carve away at the mind in regards to now that I know what God's word says, am I willing to actually do it? Am I actually willing to obey? Am I actually living in a posture of, of observing, reflecting, discussing? By the way, this is what we do in men's groups, women's groups, and home groups, you guys. But every single day, as you as a disciple of Jesus, are you living in this place of observing, reflecting, discussing, and then creating a plan? And then there being accountability. And then choosing to act, choosing to actually follow through on what God's word actually has to say. Now, the reality of it is, we may think, oh, that only happens in home group. Oh, that only happens in small group. But what if we actually changed the paradigm. This next slide. What if we actually thought about that in regards to reading the Bible? What am I observing? What am I reflecting? What am I discussing? But it just didn't happen when I opened up the Bible, but it happened when I'm driving down the road with my kids in the vehicle, that I'm observing, I'm reflecting, I'm discussing. And then when it comes to the dinner table, observing, reflecting, discussing and at the end of the day when we go to pray observing <laughs> discussing reflecting and ultimately this next slide what we're helping them is to either experience life and if we choose not to follow what God asks us to do we're actually the Bible says that we will lead down the path of death so what would it look like for you as a parent to begin the conversation of what does it look like for us to observe, reflect, discuss? In the sports world, when it comes to this, as a coach, um, how you develop kids on a sports team is really tied to practice. And for any of you maybe that are coaches as well, in practice, you do drills. And every single drill, each individual takes on, a, does anybody know the word I'm using? A rep? A rep. And so the reality is of what we're trying to accomplish in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is we're actually helping our kids get reps with God's word. Is this making sense this morning? What are the reps? What is the discussion? Where are we pointing their head and their heart towards? Is it life or is it death? As I close out today, I want to share with you uh, the, the, the thing when it comes to us and structured moments with God's word. I can tell you this, is that we spend a ton of time uh, in God's word, whether my 13-year-old wants to recognize that or not. We're spending a lot of time in God's word. These structured moments when we're opening up the Bible, 
I would argue that it's in these moments that actually like it's God's it's God's ability to open up my son's mind. I think that it also means that it's not only opening up God's uh, our kids' minds to God and what he has to say, but in addition to that, it's beginning the process of sowing seeds in his heart. But I can tell you right now, the most significant discussions that we have about God are not when we open the Bible. And you say, well, that, that seems the opposite. I would, I would argue that the biggest theological markers of growth that's happening in my kids' hearts is what we are reflecting on after we read God's word. And honestly, it's, it's in the car. In the car is when profound things come out of my kids' heads and hearts. It's, it's a structured moment because we've made it, but it's the seed that's put in my kids' head and heart that later starts coming out as they talk and ask questions. And it happened two weeks ago. It was one of those days where uh, I was, I was a little bit overwhelmed, to be honest with you. And instead of listening to worship music, I just turned the music off. And we are like two minutes from leaving the house and it's been quiet. And my oldest, Theo, or Noah, asked me this question out of nowhere. Uh, Dad, is there a sin that's unforgivable? I said, yeah, there is one. It's found in the Gospels, where Jesus said that if you grieve the Holy Spirit, it's unforgivable. And I knew what he was going to ask and ask, what does that mean? And he, I said to him, I go, lots of different commentary about it, but what the majority of people talk about is when you continually grieve the Holy Spirit, you continually reject the Holy Spirit, you continually say no to God, God honors that wish. And you choose to experience death and rebellion. He goes, well, what if in the midst of that, that a person chooses to surrender and submit to the Lordship of Jesus, would God forgive them? And I go, what do you think? He goes, I think God would. I go, I agree with that. I agree with that. And then Theo, who's in the back seat, seven years old, Ask this question, Dad, what if you die and go to hell? Does God forgive you then? I said, Theo, there's lots of debate about that. What I see in regards to God's word is that he's given you a lifetime to choose him. And then when we die, our eternal state is decided then. I go, so this is why it's important that we choose him now in this life so we know where we go in the life to come. What do you think about that? 
And Theo in his simple seven-year-old mind says, sounds good to me, Dad. Theology in the car. (laughs) Parents, what about you? Where are we at as a church in discipling our kids, impressing God's word on their minds and in their hearts? Not just a church, not just a youth group, but every single day. And for some of you this morning, it means you deciding that Jesus is Lord of your life. Some of you have not made that decision about the reality of who he is. And that's the first step. And if you've already made that decision, the next question is, am I opening this thing up? Am I reading it? Am I open to it? Is it transforming me? Am I talking about it with my kids? And this is what I will say. I showed my wife a graphic about two months ago. And we only have about 1,800 more days with Noah. That's it. For those of you guys that are empty nesters, you, you know it goes fast. And so every single day, it's this passage, Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I only have this much time. We only have this much time. We have to be intentional every single day. And are there days where we aren't? 100%. There are days that I am not. God's grace is sufficient. Good news. God can move a heart in one minute faster than all the time I invest in 100 years. But he still calls us to invest. He still calls us to teach our children. So as we get ready for communion, I just want to ask you this question when it comes to what areas of growth for you come to mind when it comes to leading more intentionally? Is it the structured moments? Is it the teachable moments? And it's either maybe either one of those. And we didn't even get to this this morning. But here's the amazing thing. Is there stuff that happens outside your home as well? Serving with others of the, in the church, youth group, youth camp, surrounding your kids with godly adults, spiritual grandparents is what we say around here. What does it look like for you to lean in to what God has for you right now, whether you are single, whether you are married with no kids, whether you have kids, or whether you are an empty nester. Every single one of us is called to talk about God and his word to the next generation. Let's spend some time in communion this morning. If you did not receive the elements and would like to take communion, just raise your hand. These amazing ladies would like to serve you a piece of bread, a cup of juice as we get ready for communion. We'll get ready to take it together here as a family. I want to invite you just to spend time with the Lord as he's inviting you to whatever next step 
he's calling you to take. Let's pray.